the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. What I'm hearing is husbands need to stop trying to fix their wives and wives need to stop trying to fix their husbands and that if we each just were working on ourselves between us and the Lord and allow God to take care of our spouse, then there's real hope for marriage. That's what I'm hearing, right? Does everybody understand that? When we make the focus ourselves on the Lord instead of trying to fix our spouse, there's real hope for our marriage when we get ourselves right with God, okay? And we allow God to work on our spouse. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Esther. As Pastor Gary continues his teaching series through the book of Esther, he'll be reminding us how the most important thing we can do to improve our marriage is to focus on God. When we begin to try and fix our spouse and point out all of their flaws, we start to act as though we are the Holy Spirit. Our job is to obey what the Holy Spirit is speaking to our own hearts first and foremost. As we follow the Lord and focus on becoming more like Jesus, we will naturally have a more harmonious relationship with our spouse. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Esther, Chapter 1, Part 2 of today's message titled, The Dignity of Woman. What is going on here is that the king wants to put her on display like an object. And you ladies understand that one of the most damaging thing to a woman is to treat her like she's an object. Vashti here is being requested to come because the king just wants to show her off as an object. He wants to parade her in front of his drunken buddies as something to gratify their lustful desires and to satisfy their, their eye candy because she is beautiful. The Bible says that she's beautiful and lovely to look at. In fact, Vashti translates beautiful. Okay, so that's what the king is up to. He's just like, come on here. I'm going to parade you in front of my drunken friends. I want them to be able to, you know, gawk at you and look at you and, and lust after you, basically. That's what he wants as a little entertainment for his drunken frat brothers. Okay? Now, out of a little self respect and dignity, Vashti says, I ain't going. No. Look at verse 12. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. And then the king became furious and burned with anger. 
Folks, this is a very risky move on her part. Very risky move to say no to the most powerful man on the planet at this particular time. She was in jeopardy of losing everything, including potentially her life. You say no to the king in this day, you could be killed. And for all we know, Vashti was killed. The Bible doesn't tell us, but what the Bible does tell us is we don't hear from her anymore from this point on. And what the Bible does tell us is that she is deposed from the throne for refusing the king and saying no to her husband. And for all we know, she may have even been banished if she wasn't killed, been banished from all of Persia. Now, here we have this scene here of a wife saying no to her husband and of the dynamics of the king and the queen here and this disagreement that is happening in the palace in the citadel of Susa. I want to just kind of digress for a moment and kind of bring in a modern matter that relates to this story, and then we'll come back to the story. I don't know how many of you may have heard in the news this past week, but Kurt Cameron, who was the teen star of the show Growing Pains on TV, who has become a Christian and now, you know, very strong evangelical, Kurt Cameron ignited a firestorm on social media over comments that he made concerning marriage, concerning biblical marriage. Now, today he and his wife travel to various churches and they lead marriage conferences in, in a, in a uh, conference that they've been called Love Worth, that they've called Love Worth Fighting For. And so apparently, Kirk Cameron was at a church recently giving this conference where Christians were gathered in a church to hear a biblical teaching on marriage. All right, it wasn't intended for an outside unbelieving world, but some of the things he said got out to an outside unbelieving world. It's the, it's the world of social media today. And there was a social media firestorm against him, so much so that on Monday morning, when I got up to watch the morning news, I turned on the Today Show, it's the number three story of the day. Number three, and all the things that are going on in our world, number three on the Today Show was Kurt Cameron and, and all his backwards way of thinking and talking about marriage and life. Number three, you know, and I say to myself, the Today Show, it's like a bad accident on the highway that you really shouldn't look at, but you just can't help yourself, you know? And so, you know, that's what I find myself doing. And every time that I just get upset, like, why, why am I watching this? But anyhow, so it was a number three story. And here's what Kirk Cameron said in the course of this Christian conference at a church. He said, and this is just part of it. He said, quote, wives are to honor and respect and follow their husband's lead. When each person gets their part right, regardless of how their spouse is treating them, there is hope for real change in their marriage, end quote. So it was that, that part right there that created this social media firestorm. Now, I don't need to defend Kirk Cameron, neither has he asked me to or needs me to. Um, but I just want to say this. First of all, that quote was lifted from the context of an entire teaching that he gave. Okay, so it's always terrible to just take one thing somebody says without understanding everything. So that by itself, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with what he said, but it's always bad to just pluck one thing out. But the other thing is we have to recognize is because one thing was lifted from an entire talk, if he's teaching on Ephesians chapter 5, no doubt he got to the other part, which talks about how husbands need to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And also it's a dangerous thing to assume, as some did from the backlash of response, that when he talks about how 
uh, each, when each person gets, quote, when each person gets their part right, regardless of how their spouse is treating them, we shouldn't assume that he means including an abusive relationship. So there were a lot of assumptions and a lot of mischaracterizations that were, that were made in social media. And again, I'm not trying to defend them, but giving the benefit of the doubt, because he doesn't need me to defend him, but giving him the benefit of the doubt, when I hear as a Christian... And I pass things through a biblical worldview. That's my grid that I pass things through. When I hear a Christian talking about how, when each person gets their part right, regardless of how their spouse is treating them, then there is hope for real change in their marriage. Here's how I hear it. What I'm hearing is husbands need to stop trying to fix their wives, and wives need to stop trying to fix their husbands, and that if we each just were working on ourselves between us and the Lord and allow God to take care of our spouse, then there's real hope for marriage. That's what I'm hearing, right? Does everybody understand that? When we make the focus ourselves on the Lord instead of trying to fix our spouse, there's real hope for our marriage when we get ourselves right with God, okay? And we allow God to work on our spouse. So whether or not that's what he meant or not, listen to some of this backlash. I'm going to read a few Twitter responses, and I'm just reading the ones I can read in church, okay? So here's a couple. Here's one. Kirk Cameron again proves he's an idiot by opening his mouth. Here's one. Why do David uh, Bowie and Prince have to die and Kirk Cameron gets to live? Here's one. Wives are to honor and respect and follow their husband's lead. Can someone please slap some sense into Kirk Cameron? And here's another, the last one. Kirk Cameron is truly out of his mind. He needs a woman to smack the stupid out of him. Now, I'll be honest with you. You know, the more that I hear and see, and, and it's obvious... I hope to all of us that there is an increasing backlash in our day against Christians, Christianity, and the Bible. I instinctively want to get defensive, which isn't right. Okay. Uh, now, getting defensive is different from defending the faith. The Bible talks about how we should defend the faith. First Peter chapter three fifteen. I talked about this last Wednesday night. The word apologetics comes from First Peter three fifteen. The word apologia in the Greek is used in in defending the faith. 1 Peter 3.15 says that always, we should always be prepared to give an answer to those who ask us to give the reason for the hope that we have. Okay, to give an answer, that's apologia, apologetics. We should defend the faith. But defending the faith is different from being defensive about the faith. We shouldn't be defensive. God doesn't need our help. All right? We shouldn't be on the defensive. God doesn't need our help, and God doesn't need our help in defending the Bible only in the sense of us defending the faith intellectually with people that we engage in our culture. But what we do need to understand, however, is that in the process of defending the faith without getting defensive about the faith, is that we need to learn how to articulate in our day the message of truth with gentleness and respect. Because as there is increasing antagonism towards Christians and Christianity in the Bible, we have to be extra vigilant and intentional about how we say things with gentleness and respect. In fact, that's the rest of 1 Peter 3, 15 and into 16 where it says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, I bring all this up and I'm going to go back now to Esther 1 because here even in our day, we have this outrage about You know, the whole idea of biblical submission, which again, by the way, 
was intended for Christians within a church who understand the Bible as the reference point and the manual of life. It was not intended for an unsaved world. You get it, right, that unsaved, your unsaved friends are not obligated until you come to know Christ. This is not going to be the manual by which they operate, nor will it be or should it be until you have relationship with, with the Lord. Okay, so for Christians, we're living by a different set of values and standards. So when it comes here to this dynamic in chapter 1 of Esther, you have a king and a queen. You have a husband who asks his wife for something, and she refuses him. Now the question becomes, is it appropriate for her to refuse his request in this scene? Or has she just disrespected him, and it's not appropriate? Well, the first thing that I want to address, just to kind of get the word out and kind of disarm everybody about the, you know, how much fear people think when they hear the word submission. Let's, let's just understand biblical submission here for, for just a moment here, okay? Biblical submission. I know it's a hot topic, but hear me on this. Biblical submission always has a caveat. It always has a caveat. In, in terms of a marriage and a wife submitting to a husband, in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, it talks about how wives submit to your husbands. But listen to me on this. In Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And Colossians 3.18 says, Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And those are important caveats because what it means is that submission has to be because a husband is operating in a godly Christ-like way because ultimate submission is to the Lord in whatever order or structure of leadership or authority you find yourself in. Government, church, your job, the family. Ultimate submission is unto the Lord. So hear me on this. Ladies, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna say amen to this, okay? Listen to me on this. Biblical submission is not blind obedience. Amen, ladies. Go ahead. Amen. Biblical submission is not blind obedience. So, I know this could be opening Pandora's box because then it's going to be subject to everybody's interpretation, but I'm just going to deliver it and you can work it out with the Holy Spirit. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Ladies... If your husband is acting in an unchristlike way or asking you to do something that is unchristlike or unbiblical, you do not have to do what he says or follow where he leads. Because it is unto the Lord. It is is this consistent with my higher responsibility and loyalty and love and allegiance to my Lord Jesus. And when when things happen outside of what Scripture clearly teaches, and what is consistent with Christ-likeness reflected in your sometimes not-so-Christ-like husband, if it's unchristlike or unbiblical, there's no obligation there. There's no obligation there. So let me, let me just break it down for you this way so that, again, we can disarm the scary word. Submission is, in the New Testament, a Greek word, hupotasso. Hupotasso is from two Greek words, hupo meaning under, tasso meaning to arrange in an orderly manner. Okay? Hupotasso, submission just simply means that God has ordained in various structures, but for the moment we're talking about the family, a proper order under which the family functions. That's what hupotasso means, to arrange in an orderly manner. And in God's economy of things, he has arranged the family in an orderly manner so that husbands should provide loving, Christ-like leadership 
which doesn't mean that he has to make every decision in the home. He doesn't. And it doesn't mean that every decision he does make will always be right. It won't. And it doesn't mean that the husband is any better than his wife. He isn't. Okay, and take it from a guy who is a husband, a father, and the pastor of a, of a large church. I would love it sometimes for somebody else to be the idiot once in a while. All right? <laughs> and, and all of you in positions of responsibility get that. It's like, you know, there are times I want somebody else to take the fall for this. I don't want to have to make this decision. I don't want to have to lead. I would rather just follow in many cases. Okay? But, but leadership sometimes requires that we do the loving, considerate things, even when it's not convenient or popular. So... By the way, Ephesians 5.21, in the context of the whole chapter of Ephesians 5 and submission in various realms of our lives, Ephesians 5.21 says, Therefore, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It speaks about mutual submission in every relationship. Understand this, that even where someone has a position of leadership or authority, that person should often defer to the wishes of, of others, because being in a position of authority does not mean you always get your way. There's mutual submission involved here, whereby from time to time you defer to the people that you love in terms of what they wish or they want from time to time. So here in this story was what Vashti did wrong when she refused the king. Well, according to the king and his frat brothers, she did wrong. If you look further in chapter 1, verse 16, verse 16 says, Then Memukan, Memukan is one of the officials in the king's court. And then Memukan replied, In the presence of the king and of the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of King Xerxes. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. Okay, you get what he's saying? He's like, if all of our wives hear that Queen Vashti refused the king, they're going to start to treat us like that. We can't let this happen. So, verse 18, this very day, the Persian and Median women of the nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Medea, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. And then when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. Okay, folks, do you think that's going to work? Ladies, seriously, do you think because a law is passed now? I can just imagine some of the homes in Persia the next day after this law was passed. Some grumpy guy gets up at his house. And he's like, good morning. Now fix me my breakfast, the king's orders. You know, I don't think that's going to... She's not going to warm up to you, friend. Not at all. And what in the world... Memukan is the guy who came up with this idea, all right? What in the world is his house like the morning after this bill passes, right? He's like, honey, don't even talk to me. You're the one responsible for getting this law passed. You just be prepared to be sleeping on a gold couch for a long time. Because I don't know what you think you're getting from me. Your name might be Memukan, but Memu cannot. Anyway, so, so... Vashti is deposed 
maybe banished, maybe even killed, all because she refused to do what the king said. And then the question is, is what she did wrong? No, it's not. See, Esther's not the only hero of this story. Vashti is too. Why? Because it wasn't just that King Xerxes wanted to introduce his lovely wife to his distinguished guests. No, something much more sinister is going on here for Vashti to refuse the king's order and even jeopardize all that she had, including her own life. She refused the king because she refused to be exploited. She refused to be paraded as a sex object. She refused to be gawked at and lusted over by a bunch of drunken men. So she said no. And she was willing to lose everything to defend her dignity. She was willing to lose her fame, her fortune, the palace, her crown, even maybe even her life to defend her own dignity. Single ladies, listen to me on this. If you are seeing a guy who is robbing you of your dignity, learn to say no and get out of that relationship. And men, when you exploit a woman, abuse a woman, disgrace a woman, use a woman, you are robbing her of her dignity and you are sinning against her and God who created her in his image with inestimable worth. Does every man hear this? We must honor women. We must treat them with the dignity that they deserve. Now, I, I get it that the Old Testament is a little rough on women in terms of how they are often seen as second-class citizens, but please understand, that's not a reflection of God's heart. You have to remember that in the Old Testament, you're reading a lot of human history. You're reading a lot of human sinful history and how culture treated people in various ways. You don't see God treat people that way. In fact, when you see God in flesh, when Jesus comes to earth, you see the wonderful way that he treated women, the, the gracious way that he treated women, the loving way that he treated women. Look at how Jesus treated the woman at the well, who had been married five times and was on her sixth guy living with him. He treated her with grace and dignity. Notice how Jesus treated the woman caught in adultery. He treated her with grace and dignity. The Bible says in Galatians 3.28 that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ, equal in importance and value and significance in the eyes of God. When you look at the role of women throughout the Bible, it's pretty incredible. Look at even just the ministry of Jesus. Who was it that supported Jesus and his disciples during the three years of their public ministry? The women. Who was it that was standing at the foot of the cross when all the disciples fled? The women. Who was it that Jesus mentioned from the cross to be sure to take care of his mother when he turned to John and said, take care of her. Who was it that Jesus first appeared to when he rose from the dead? The women. Who was it that Jesus first entrusted the message of the resurrection to? The women. And you look throughout the Bible and you see women like Sarah and Jochebed and Miriam and Rahab and Deborah, Ruth, Hannah, Esther, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary of Bethany, her sister, Martha, you have Lydia and Priscilla and Phoebe. These are just a few examples of women in the Bible who were bold and strong and wise and discerning, anointed and courageous and faithful. They disobeyed kings when necessary. 
They defied rulers. They defeated enemies. They spoke prophecies. They overcame adversity. They led a nation and they served churches in the name of God. And I don't know if we'll see Vashti in heaven or not because she was the granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar. She may have been as pagan as pagan comes. But I know this. She taught us a lesson about the dignity of women. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been taking us through the book of Esther, the story of a young orphan in a foreign land who was made queen and then used by God to save the Israelites. This book is such a great encouragement when we face hardships and trials. Was today's message encouraging to you? Do you want to share it with your friends? Today's teaching and a collection of other messages can be found on our mobile app through our podcast or online at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll find so much information on our website, including companion resources from Pastor Gary to dig deeper into his studies on a variety of topics. We'd also invite you to check out the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to invite you to join us for weekly services. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday to dig deeper into God's Word and worship Him for all He's done and is yet to do. Find directions and service times at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're so glad you joined us today on Cornerstone Connection. We pray you feel God's presence in your own life today as you draw closer to Him. Join us again for more on Esther's incredible story right here on Cornerstone Connection. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.